Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. Today's episode features Dave Clayton. He is the lead pastor of Ethos Church downtown in Nashville, Tennessee. Dave and his wife, Sydney Clayton, are just awesome people, and I've got to spend some time with them over the years through discipleship.org and our forums. Dave is actually coming to the forum, which is coming up here in just a few weeks, November 4th and 5th. And if you're wanting to buy tickets to that, don't forget, we do have that podcast promo. You enter podcast all lowercase when you're purchasing your tickets from discipleship.org and you'll receive 50% off your ticket price. So make sure to take advantage of that. Today's episode features our point leader, Bobby Harrington, interviewing Dave on raising authentic and spirit-filled disciples. Let's go ahead and jump into this conversation. Hi, everybody. I'm Bobby Harrington, and I have the privilege of being the point leader for discipleship.org. And I get to interview people like Dave Clayton. And uh, Dave, so glad to have you here with us. Let's begin by telling us a little bit about your church, about Onward, which is a ministry you're part of, and then also a little bit about Awaken Nashville. Yeah, Bobby, so honored to be with you guys and uh, excited to be a part of discipleship.org this year. So 12 years ago, my wife, Sydney, and I, along with some friends, planted Ethos Church in downtown Nashville, and we've had the joy of serving uh, as point leaders there for the last 12 years. And then in addition to that, we launched Onward, which is a global family of leaders that are committed to making disciples and planting churches. And so we train leaders, we disciple leaders, we send them out to start things, to plant churches, to start new ministries. And then Awaken Nashville uh, started out as a a really kind of a unity movement here in the city where we brought churches together specifically around the purposes of prayer and fasting on behalf of the city, but it's begun to kind of spread out into different places as well. So those are really the three hats that I wear at the local church level, uh, kind of the disciple-making church planting hat, and then our citywide prayer stuff. That's pretty cool. Well, uh, we're very grateful and looking forward to you being a part of the National Forum. But what I'd like to talk about today is coming out of COVID, and I guess there's a sense in which we're not going to ever come out of COVID, because I I think in some ways it's going to just be with us like the flu. Um, But coming out of it where your church was literally shut down, you couldn't meet uh, on uh, weekends. Uh, I wanted to ask you to share with us what you're learning about disciple making and what you as a church are doing. So can you just share with us some of your top commitments coming out of COVID? Uh, And I know you're meeting now. Uh, I think like most places, not a lot of people are meeting with you. But uh, I do know from conversations you and I have had, uh, Dave, that you're really committed to disciple making. So talk to us, if you would, a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, just to give you a little context, uh, in the downtown Nashville area, we have three congregations that we give leadership to, um, really kind of a multi-congregational model. And all of those congregations meet in music venues, slash bars, slash nightclubs, whatever you want to call them. And so whenever the pandemic hit, the city put some you know, various levels of restrictions on different places. And so the venues that we meet in were hit the hardest. And so um, they were absolutely shut down. Um, You couldn't get in for really any reason. And so um, we went uh, 57 weeks without meeting in person on a Sunday in any large capacity at all, which was crazy. And then some of our um, other congregations uh, 
that are part of our church um, went even longer than that. They went like 65 or 66 weeks without being able to meet. And so it was a crazy, crazy year um, as it was for all of us. Uh, but in the midst of that, uh, we really found ourselves um, not just being drawn back to some of our core commitments, but we, maybe being drawn back with more intensity and uh, commitment than we've ever had. And so, you know, some of those commitments, you know, from day one, we've always believed that uh, we've always believed uh, that most of the transformative work of discipleship happens in smaller contexts. And so when we started our our church 12 years ago, we started as a house church. You know, we didn't know what God was going to do. We didn't know how it was going to take off, but we really uh, started with this kind of small, in-a-house, life-on-life, relational uh, conviction. And I would say over 12 years, we've held on to that. That's That's been true to who we were. But I think as we grew, you know, before the pandemic hit, um, you know, there, there were seasons where we held that conviction probably too loosely. Um, I think it would be a safe way to say it, you know, where someone could be a part of our church but maybe they weren't as engaged in a smaller environment as we would have liked uh, for them to have been. And so um, we just kind of let that slide a little too easy. And so when we hit the pandemic, you know, one of the things that really um, kind of got a hold of us was that doesn't just need to be a conviction on paper. That's got to be a conviction in the core of everything that we do. And so um, that really came, you know, uh, back in a, in a new way going, Hey, how do we get even more serious about this? And so during the pandemic, you know, for more than a year, uh, we could only meet in small environments. And so we we launched out all sorts of things, you know, micro expressions and house churches and discipleship groups. And we met in parks and coffee shops and business complexes and living rooms and backyards and everything in between. And so when when we got kind of through, you know, kind of that worst part of last year when we couldn't be together, then the question became, okay, what do we want to do? What is it that we want to step into as opposed to what is it that we want to go back to? And so, uh, we really think God's moving us forward. And so we've come out of this with um, just a renewed sense of the, the ancient future reality of the church uh, from how we disciple leaders, how we structure our time together as a church and how we view ourselves in the world. So um, we really believe the last year, even though it was really difficult, and I don't say this lightly, um, we know it's really hard for a whole lot of people. We We do believe it's been a grace from God that has revealed some things. You know, it's it's shown us where we were strong, where we were weak, and God's using it to give us vision for the days ahead. So we're, we're excited about that. That's good. So tell us some specific disciple-making strategies that you guys are focusing, focusing on in this next season. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that we've learned in the midst of the testing that we've all just gone through is, you know, Anytime you're given a test, especially if it's a pop quiz, kind of like the one that we got as as a global family, uh, you know, you learn where you're strong, where you're weak, and where you're not sure. And I think what we learned in regards to discipleship is before the pandemic, we've been pretty strong in discipling leaders, in discipling the lost, and in discipling the least of these. Um, but but an area where we really need to take some ground are just the people that find themselves somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. And so we realized, Hey, we have a lot of ground to take in this area. And so uh, very specifically speaking, uh, we've come out of this going, okay, how do we, how do we train leaders in such a way that they can help us turn around and disciple the people that find themselves somewhere in the mid, in the middle of that spectrum. So we're actually in the process right now of, of launching several new trainings with leaders within our church of piloting new groups, of 
um, you know, restructuring the way that we spend our time together as a church. And so all of that is aimed at beginning to disciple kind of the middle of our church body. Um, That's good. I like, I like the language, Uh, you know, leaders and of course with onward, the church planting that you do, that's amazing. So uh, you've got the, like you said, uh, in fact, the language is good. Leaders, the least and the lost. Um, But now you want to get the people in the middle. So what are some specific ways you're trying to do that, Dave? Yeah. So, and I mean, like everybody, we're really experimenting with this. Uh, You know, one of the things that we realized, you know, relation, relational discipleship, it costs time. And we are trying to roll this out in, in a culture that is time poor, you know? And so um, I don't know a single leader that looks at their church and go, man, our people just have more time than they know what to do with, you know? And so, I go, so, true. so I think the, the tension that we so often feel in relational discipleship is how do we make this faster? How do we make this more convenient? But the reality is speed and convenience works against the very thing that I think Jesus is trying to do. And so very practically speaking, we're going, hey, how do we eliminate any way of ministry that feeds that idol of speed and convenience? So how do we slow things down? How do we call people higher? How do we identify the cost more clearly? So those are some things that we've done. You know, we've, we've really spent the last three or four months as a church just really just trying to retool people's hearts around hey, this is not going to be a quick, easy shift. This is not going to be a fast you know, turn, and it's not going to feel convenient either. And so um, I think what we've realized, you know, when you serve people is everyone is willing to, to sacrifice for something. We just want to make sure we're calling them to sacrifice for the most important things. That's not sacrifice for Little League Baseball or for your career or for your vacation. It's like, let's sacrifice for things that really matter. And so uh, so on a practical standpoint, we've been trying to lay that framework, that foundation. Hey, this is going to be slow. And this is going to be costly. It's going to be wonderful. You know, so how do we lay that foundation? But then we've really been looking through all of our areas of ministry and going, how do we make sure we don't fall into the trap of creating conveyor belt discipleship thinking? You know, uh, because w- one of the biggest shifts that we keep talking about with our team is, we have to move from this way of thinking that says discipleship is a part of my life. That's wrong. Discipleship is a way of life. It's not a part of life. It's a way of life. And it's exactly right. And so, you know, the, the metaphor that we've been using is, you know, if your life was a smartphone, a lot of us think of discipleship as an app. It's like, Oh, I need the discipleship app. How do we get the app in our church? But what we've been telling our people is it's not just, it's not an app. It is, it is an operating system. In fact, it's probably an entirely new device. Like, I mean, you're throwing the old thing out and you're having to, to let God rewire the operating system. Uh, and so, uh, so we've been really just, I would say the last three or four months since we've been back in person, we've been laying some of these foundations. Um, we've been uh, calling people back to things that we know they're going to need in order to move forward in this. So for instance, just really calling them back to relationship. You know, they spent the last year and a half being discipled by the world saying, you can't hang out with people if you don't know where they've been the last week. You know, you can't be with more than six or seven or eight people. And um, and so the last year and a half has taught people to be very cautious in relationship, to be very isolated. And so right now we've just been in this place of calling them into relationship, in, into community, into 
And that feels like baby steps in some ways, but I go, this is actually, this is the place where discipleship is going to have to happen. And, and so we've got to build that back first. And so um, that's some of the practical stuff we've been doing behind the scenes. Our team is, you know, we've been doing probably what everyone's doing, laying out, okay, what's our roadmap for this? Yeah. Um, you know, so um, what are the competencies that we're wanting to, to develop? Um, one of the, one of the words that we really sense God saying to us in the midst of the pandemic was on the other side of this, do not build back anything that would not have lasted through this. So don't build back something that wouldn't have lasted through it. And so we've been in a season of just assessing and reevaluating and retooling. And, um, and so as we're doing all of that restructuring, we're getting people in relationship, in community, calling the, calling them to higher commitment, et cetera. So. I want to take a quick break and tell you about something cool happening over at discipleship.org. It's our discipleship.org collective. It's an online community for disciples and disciple makers. And if you fit in either one of those categories, then the collective is designed just for you. The website itself is super cool because it's basically like stepping into a virtual church building with a welcome center, an auditorium for our main events, and even classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective with all of its webinars, seminars, ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you personally or for your whole church. And this is a community, so you can also have the opportunity to connect with other disciple makers. And while membership is free, there's also a premium access option, which includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So head on over to discipleship.org slash collective and sign up for your free membership today. As you look uh, to the future and as you see the rapid changes in our culture uh, and as you're kind of doing this retooling, especially for those who are joining us and, and we're all working on the same things, what are some key elements uh, that you think are really crucial in disciple making? So, for example, you, you've already uh, emphasized relationships. You've emphasized that it we've got to slow down because some things you just can't microwave them. It's like more like a crock pot, which would be relationship and, and the normal things of life. What are some other key skills and tools? that you think are important in disciple making moving forward? Yeah. You know, I, I see it almost in two buckets. One, you have kind of like the big picture stuff, you know, and that's what we were sort of speaking into a minute ago, you know, things like pace and relationship and something else I'd throw in that big bucket would be, um, you know, just the rhythm of life. And so we, we spend a lot of time, literally one of the first things we do when we're discipling someone, Sydney and I will sit down and we'll have them bring their calendar and, and we will, we will talk to them about how do you build a calendar in such a way that you can live as a disciple and make disciples. Um, and so, you know, that's if we, good. so, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of like a big picture thing. Right. And so um, rhythms of life and pace of life and slowness and all, all of that stuff, but on, on the smaller, on the more micro level, it's some of the stuff that feels just very bread and butter, you know, um, how do, how do you engage the word of God every day? Um, not just uh, for information, but for transformation. And we believe that transformation comes through application. And so, in other words, how do we come to the Word of God 
expecting that God's going to speak to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to give us something to step into every single day because we've been in his word. And so, um, you know, so how do we engage the word of God with that sense of expectancy again? Um, How do we learn to discern the will of God in community? So how do we begin to recognize the different ways in which God speaks to his people? How do we discern that in community? That's a key element of, of discipleship. You know, some would uh, maybe put that under the banner of obedience, you know, but um, we kind of use that big tent of how do we discern and live into the will of God um, uh, together? Um, how do we do, how do we do life with Christians? How do we do life with non-Christians? Uh, you know, that's a key part of discipleship. How do we, uh, demonstrate the gospel, you know, through, uh, we kind of use three frameworks for that through service, through, um, through subversive living. So just living in a way that's attractive and beautiful and different than the culture around us. And then through supernatural ministry. And so how do we demonstrate the gospel through those three ways? And then how do we declare the gospel, uh, with our words? Like, you know, so just, you know, really trying to train our people what is the gospel and how do you share it? And how do you listen for whether or not a person's life is being shaped by uh, that royal declaration or are they being shaped by something else? And how do you speak into that? So those are some really fundamental elements, Uh, you know, uh, the word of God, prayer, uh, discerning, um, fasting, uh, you know, doing this in community. And so there's some of our building blocks that we're using. Those are really good building blocks. Um, what I really like, uh, Dave, about what you're doing is that you're really, I know you're trying to work more on the raising up uh, and discipling the, the believer in the middle that you talked about, but uh, your church has a really good track record of connecting with like what we've said, the least and the lost. And even in, in what you just said, um, and the three S's about service. Subversive. Can you go through those again? Just yeah. in terms of discipling people uh, yes. as they're so, living in uh, amongst those who don't know Jesus. Yeah. So, you know, we really look at it through three kind of primary, primary angles, um, service, subversive living and supernatural ministry. And so how do we, how do we train people, you know, so with service, how do we train people to see a need and meet the need in the name of Jesus. So not just see the need and meet the need, but how do you see the need and meet the need in the name of Jesus? And we do this in, in micro kind of ways and in, and in macro ways. So for example, a micro way uh, that we've done this before is we challenge our people, hey, if, if you will identify a gospel need in your neighborhood, and if you will meet that need, we will fund it as a church. Uh, like we we call them love your neighbor grants. We will give you a grant to live that out in your neighborhood. You just have to come back and tell us what happened, whether it worked or not. Like it could, it could totally fail. That's okay. Um, You know, we're not trying to manage outcomes. We're just trying to walk in obedience. So trying to train people, how do you see a gospel need? How do you meet that need in a way that, that um, shows people the goodness of who Jesus is. And so service is a way um, subversive living, you know, and so uh, like an example of this is we will we will host um, these. I call them like micro seminars because the goal is not like a big conference. It's really simple, you know, 20, 30, 40 people. But how do we get parents together and uh, help them help them understand how to walk with their teenagers as they steward technology? So how do you help parents handle technology with their kids? 
And what we found is this is an unbelievable evangelistic opportunity because every parent I know is wrestling with the question. And so we can say, Hey, we're going to have a conversation about when should a kid get a phone and, and what's it look like to create a neighborhood covenant around the way that families are using technology together when kids are in different people's houses. And, you know, some of that stuff is just so simple um, for those that have been walking with Jesus in community. And I think what we've realized is there are a lot of people in the world that are facing all those questions totally alone. It's the wild, wild west. And so we go, how do we live differently? And then when people go, hey, give us the reason for the hope that you have. Let's tell, let's tell, you, tell you what we're doing. And so we try to do that, you know, with marriage and parenting and work and business, just different, you know, subversive upside down living. And then the other one is supernatural ministry where we look for things. We look for opportunities uh, to ask God to do what only God can do. And so, you know, we pray for the sick. Um, We pray for marriages that are in crisis. We pray for uh, miracles in people's lives. I, I love uh, when I'm discipling guys, I give them a really simple question uh, to begin working out supernatural ministry. I said, Hey, when, when you're at a restaurant and the waiter comes up, you know, you can just say something simple like this. Hey, if you could have any miracle happen in your life, it could be for you or somebody that you love. What would that miracle be? Like, if you could just have any miracle, like something crazy, <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes you get the the obvious, man, I would love to win the lottery. It's like, it's like, cool. Why? Okay, let me, you know, um, let me pray for that for you. But, but a lot of times, people were really kind of caught off guard by that question, and and they say, well, you know, my my mother in law has stage four uh, pancreatic cancer, and we go, man, okay, what, you care if we pray about that? And and so just looking for opportunities to um, uh, to do that. You know, as a church, we take the second Sunday of every month, and we invite anybody that needs a miraculous touch of God to come and uh, receive prayer and anointing from our elders and our pastors. And, and so it's just a way we're trying to live into that supernatural ministry. And so people know they can invite their, their coworkers and their neighbors and their friends that are facing some of those things. And we try to use that as a way to do ministry as well. That is so, uh, you made it so simple, which as you and I, we were talking earlier before the webinar about how the most helpful things sometimes are the simplest things. Oh yeah. You know, I think complexity is, is the enemy of reproducibility. And so, you know, if, if we can find ways to, to make it simple and relational and repeatable, it'll really bless people's lives. That's really great. Well, Dave, thank you so much for being with us. Um, again, uh, just a shameless plug to come and join the national forum. Uh, Dave will be one of our main stage speakers and we'll have lots of opportunities to learn more about being a disciple and making a disciple. Uh, So Dave, I'm just going to turn it to you for a last word of encouragement or exhortation for those who are either joining live or who are listening to the podcast uh, about the time we're in and about the importance of being disciples. Yeah, you know, my, my word of encouragement would be, you know, don't be overwhelmed by the moment. We're in such a I mean, it's so obvious. You look at what's happening in the world and as leaders, we're all going, man, we we don't just need disciples. We need lots of disciples and we needed them yesterday. And so you think about discipleship and then you look at the needs of the culture and it's so overwhelming. And so what I'd encourage you is don't be scared to start really small while continuing to dream really big. Start really, really small, but keep dreaming really big. And so, you know, you can dream that God would 
help you reach your city or your region, or maybe every man in your church, whatever, whatever your big dream is. Don't be scared to dream big, um, but don't be scared to start really, really small. And uh, so I, I'd encourage you with discipleship, keep it simple, start small, but keep holding on to that God-sized dream. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, honored to be with you guys. Well, that wraps up today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you walked away with some practical tools to help you along your journey of being a disciple maker. I want to remind you, November 4th and 5th, the National Disciple Making Forum is coming up, and you can right now use the promo code PODCAST, all lowercase, to receive 50% off your purchase ticket price. Dave Clayton is going to be there. He's going to be one of our speakers. So make sure you do that and buy your tickets and come on out to Nashville, Tennessee to enjoy the forum with us. All right, y'all. Have a great day. I'll see you on the next episode.